What's up, everybody? Welcome to Junker Talk. This is our fourth episode, correct? This is our fourth episode. My name is Pedro. I'm Larissa. And thank you so much for joining us, for listening to us, wherever you are. If it's a good morning, if it's a good evening, if it's a good AM. Morning. <laughs> no, like late at night. What is it called? Like madrugada. What is that called in English? Is there a term? I can't think of it. Okay. So, thank you so much for listening. I want to thank everybody for sharing the past couple of episodes, giving us your feedback, your messages. We love getting those. Again, if you're listening to us on Spotify, just make sure you give us a follow. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, can you please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review? That would help us a lot. And if you can share this as well on your social media, you know, mainly Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use, really, we appreciate that. Um, and as we usually like to talk about, we like to start off with the Bible verse and then we'll get into the team. So I'll take it away. All right. So for the Bible verse this week, I'm reading John 5, 6 through 9. And I'm reading off of the Passion Translation. So it says, so Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed for I have I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk. Immediately he stood up, he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. And the reason that we chose this verse is what this podcast is going to be all about today. So as we get into it, it'll make a lot more sense. All right, so next up, before we get into the episode, we're going to go into our segment that's the highlight of the week. And like we said, it could be anything that stood out to us this week. And my highlight of the week for this week is actually a podcast that's called The Good Life by Stevie and Cezanne. And the reason that's the it's the highlight of the week is because I was listening to their episode today that they interviewed Lisa Turkhurst, and she was talking about forgiveness and giving a little bit of her testimony and her process of forgiveness and healing because she her husband cheated on her. So it was a whole process that she had to go to. And the reason that this stuck with me is because she said that a lot of times people don't forgive because they think that when they forgive it just has to be like a magic wand that's waved and everything is better and all your feelings and your pain are gone and she said that she really learned through her process that forgiveness is both a decision and a process so once you decide to forgive that's that decision that you no longer want to suffer because if you're holding on to grudges it only causes pain but then she also learned that it's also a process that you have to go through and i thought that was really interesting because i think that forgiveness usually scares people because people think that once you decide to forgive it's like one and done but in reality it's really a process that you have to go through so i thought that was really interesting so there is long your long highlight of the week and she wrote books right that lisa person yes she's an author can you have her in her books you've had read one of her books or no I believe she wrote Uninvited. I'm fact-checking myself. Okay. Just so you know, that might be a cool recommendation if you liked her. Yes, she wrote Uninvited, and that book was really, really great. I read it, and I also let my sister borrow mine. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I remember that book. So, I guess my highlight of the week also comes from a podcast. I think we both consume podcasts on a regular basis. It's a Jesus Copy Podcast, a Brazilian podcast, and they've been a blessing to me. Um, their leader, Douglas, he was interviewing a worship leader called Marcos Brunet. He's kind of known for writing the song, Al Que Está Sentado. You know the song? Mm-hmm. He, he writes that song in, in Spanish, but he's Brazilian. But he lives in Argentina. So, And the, the whole podcast, they interviewed him. It's really cool, but he says one thing. 
that kind of stayed with me, the sentence. I even wrote it down. I was at my job listening to it. And it's that God doesn't have favorites. God just has people that are intimate to him. Mm. And I think that's something that it's been kind of a theme that we've been rolling with is the presence of God and wanting more of the presence of God and wanting it not just for the miracles or the good feelings that it brings because, of course, those things happen. But it's understanding that that's the reason why we're here. We're here to have an intimate relationship with God. God created us for this purpose. So I, I agreed wholeheartedly with what he said. God doesn't have favorites. He just happens to respond more to those that are intimate and willing to hear him and listen to him and obey him. So I think that was beautiful. And I think that's kind of our goal is to just be more and more intimate with God. And for those of you guys that are listening, we pray that to be your goal in your life as well, to just have a better relationship with God every single day. So now let's um, transition into our topic of the day. I think, you know, we don't necessarily have a title for today, but your highlight, my highlight, they all go perfectly together to what we would have mm-hmm. talked about. Um, if you have seen our services, we're with the Youth Live uh, in December, well, we have our Christmas special. And if you saw our service at the Hezion, Portuguese service, where I preached this past Saturday, the 13th, it, I'm going to go over that testimony again, but I promise you, you know... This will be a more intimate um, part of that testimony, that more of the part that involved me and you. Both times that I shared a testimony, I kind of just, you know, I didn't go over, of course, the full details because, you know, it doesn't matter. But I think here it's probably the best place for us to go into a little bit more of what happened uh, the days leading up. So yep. this is us being a little bit more vulnerable, yes. which is actually the word that we even had for the month of, January. The month of January. So yeah. which we can end, we can end on that, I guess mm-hmm. that's a big deal. So, um, if you don't know, I am the son of a pastor. Um, we got married this year in March. We've been dating for last year. Sorry. 2020 in March. It feels like the, it's continuing the year we got married. Um, last year we got married in April, not in March. Sorry. We got married in March. <laughs> April. <laughs> it's gonna keep happening. <laughs> we started dating in March. Sorry, that's kind of confusing. In 2014, which was the episode last week. So if you want to hear all about us, how we started dating, our opinions on dating, when should you date, listen to last week's podcast, episode three. But um, throughout that whole journey, you know, dating, and before that, I I was very much addicted to pornography, and that started when I was about 11 years old. It started, I was at, I, I was always a late, uh, late night sleeper, like I couldn't sleep early, so you were just like flipping the channels back when, you know, um, I didn't really have a lot of options to do at night, like, you know, I was too young to, what is the word, to have any cool video games to play, or I wasn't allowed yeah. to really have video iPhones games. iPhones weren't a thing where yeah. you can like play games on a phone. Mm-hmm. And- so you had to just, you know, Netflix wasn't a thing, so you just had to roll with what was on the TV or... What you have bought, like a DVD or, you know, something like that. So I remember I was just bored and I was just flipping through the channels and it happened to stumble upon a movie. It piqued my interest. And then, it, you know, the addiction didn't become a thing. It was it was like piquing my curiosity and interest. And it started off very innocently, you know, sort of like, what is this? You know, it was very as innocent as you can be, you know, and at that 11 year old age. And I think... Um, I look back at that time in my life and I look back with a lot of frustration, mainly because I know that that's when it started and it's something that kept me enslaved to that addiction for so many, like 12 odd years, you know? So I look back and I know this is when it started. So I hate that part of my life. But also I was even talking to my parents about this and it's the matter of 
that was a, that was the two years of our lives where we had just moved out of a city that I spent most of my childhood in. You know, my dad is a pastor, so we, ever since I was born, he graduated and he was nominated to a church in a small town in the state of Sao Paulo. And then we moved to a bigger-ish town called Presidente Prudente. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there for about eight years. So me and my sister's childhood was entirely there, you know, all the way from preschool to, I guess, fourth, fifth grade, I guess, chaining into here. We spent there. So all of our friends, we were, you know, at, at that point in my life, I knew that eventually my dad was going to be moved, but you good uh, to be moved. But I. I kind of, there was a hope inside inside my heart and my sister's heart that we were just going to have happen to stay there and enjoy. And we moved when I was about 11, 10 to almost 11 years old. We moved to this town that was super far from anything we've ever, like super far from my family, like about 15, 18 hour drive. So I'm like anywhere else around my family. It's a, it was a massive town. It was the capital. It was a city called Cuiabá, the capital, one of Brazil's you know, biggest states in the center of Brazil, which is very far away from everything. So there's a lot of frustration there. And I think the devil definitely used the fact that I was incredibly vulnerable. And it just happened to be at an age where I kind of lost a a good communication to my parents because, you know, I was mad at them, mad at my dad. My dad, he wasn't a pastor at a church. He, He was sort of almost like a general manager of pastors in the region. So he had to travel a lot. So there'll be... You know, times that my dad will be gone for like two weeks, a week, days, and you know, we're just relying on my mom. My mom was, you know, a working mom, so we kind of, me and my sister were kind of, we weren't necessarily on our own. You know, we we made friends and we made some adult couple friends that were really helping us, almost like taking up as like their sons as well when my parents were busy. And it's not that my parents were neglecting us; it's just that my ten-year-old dumbassness took that very personally. And was sort of like, I'm going to shut down. So I, my relationship with my parents was very bad. Um, my relationship with God was as cold as I guess it, could, it was at that time. And we weren't big fans of the church there, the pastor there. So it was the perfect storm for me to be taken into something else. You know, it made, mm-hmm. everything made me incredibly vulnerable. And I, I didn't have the maturity to speak up and ask for help and try to have better relationships with people to support me. So that was, again, the per, the more that I think about it, it was the perfect, I, I, it was the perfect bad storm for me to go down that path that, you know, it took me forever to in, be into. So that started, my dad being absent and all these things in my life. And, you know, of course, I've, I've, I've said this to my GP, my GP boys, small group boys, and everybody else that's listening that, this sin, this addiction, what creates in us is this need to learn how to hide. And that's all it's all about. Because it's a sin that happens in secret, happens when no one else is looking, it happens when you're by yourself. So you've learned to, it's it's too much of a shame for me to bring it up. And it's no one's problems for me to bring it up. You know, Nobody needs to know. So let me handle it on my own. So for the longest times I went through that cycle of I can handle it. I'm praying to God because I, I never blamed God. I never stopped believing God in all of this. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And the more that I, the older I was getting, the more frustrated I was because I knew, knew really how much wrong it was. And there's, you know, I remember reading some of the letters of Paul and Paul was very aggressive the way he talks about immorality and sexual immorality, you know, and that doesn't just means homosexuality. That means any kind of adultery, you know, and, and, and what is 
watching pornography and masturbating if not just a very high level of adultery that is just easily available to us, right? Because that's what you're looking at and, and, and consuming. So the older I was getting, the more responsibilities I was getting, the more people were looking up to me, the more that I put in that effort to hide as much as I can, because as much as I could, because I knew that if I were to say that to anybody, it would be terrible. So it wasn't because I was trying to protect the kingdom of God. I know it's it's my pride. It was my pride getting in the way. So um, even through our dating, that was still happening with us. So you know, I I also I happen to think that um, watching pornography and masturbating in a relationship is cheating. I know in the world, I've, I've listened to podcasts. You know, I'm, not all my podcasts I listen to are Christians, and a lot of people their point of view is. As long as your wife is cool with it, it, it's not a problem. That's kind of what they say. And I wholeheartedly believe that's not the case at all. I think it destroys a, a dating relationship and it destroys a marriage, you know, because that's what sin does in general. And that just happens to be a sin that just consumes you that way. So for a lot of different reasons and for a lot of times, like I mentioned in the testimonies in the church and, and for the youth, it's, it was a lot of up and down. Some days, some months, weeks, I would be better and holding on to God and being in the presence of God and believing that I was overcoming. But then bad moments would come that I would go back to that life and go back to that addiction. And it was a cycle that it frustrated me. It took my peace away. It, it, it disabled me in so many ways to be active in the kingdom of God more, to be doing so much more than I thought. And I thought I was doing a lot. But um, I don't know if you want to say something here because I've been talking for a long time. It's okay. It's mostly your testimony up yeah. until now, background. So you can keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and I I remember seeing um, a testimony of a pastor's son that, you know, was a became a friend of ours at that time and he even preached in one of the encounters and he was he, his testimony was exactly very close to mine and he was sharing the moment that he decided to go speak to his dad and he, i remember him sharing that he was like he lives in new york so he was like talking about in the subway and not talking he was thinking about it in the subway and he was praying and preparing for the moment that he was going to walk into his dad's um office and break the news to him who he was and what he was doing and how he needed help and I remember hearing that testimony and I wish I had enough courage at that time because was years, this was years ago to have done the same thing to my parents, but I didn't, you know, and um, if I had done it back then, you know, there's no point really in trying to what if, right? But it, my life would have been a lot better for sure because that was one last thing that was keeping me a slave. But the moment came for me to be thinking that if I, if only I get married and I, and then I start having sex, those things will go away because you know, you're actually there. Right. Cause like we mentioned before to you guys, we, we got married virgins. So I was thinking, you know, this, this, this dire, this, this sin will go away the moment that I, that I get married and then become sexually active and I'll just have my wife that I love and everything will be fixed. And even though I'd heard tons of testimonies from guys that, that would say, Getting married does not solve that problem. And a lot of people even telling us, you know, in general to everybody that it actually makes it worse. And I, from it, that never registered in me. And people were saying their testimony is how that destroyed their their life, you know, as as a couple in the beginning and all this. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to be the different one. This is what's going to be, you know, the pride, the pride in me was sort of like, don't worry, you're going to handle this. 
you're going to get married and everything's going to be fine and you're just going to work it out. And um, we got married with beautiful, a lot of beautiful things happened. And for the first couple of months, it was great. And I was holding on to God. And then once again, I think the fact that I was unemployed, unemployed throughout that time, staying home alone so often that easily came back knocking on my door. And I was, again, foolish enough to not say no and, and avoid that temptation. So then fell, I fell back into that cycle. But this time, I think there was kind of what we touched on the first two podcasts. There was something in me that knew that there was a responsibility that was greater than me at this point. It wasn't just about myself. I was now living with you. Lala is still here. She's just listening to me. (laughs) I was now living with you. So you were now my family. So there was almost like a bigger need for me to snap out of this, you know. So and the way that God worked through my life was you and I'm 100% certain of this was utilizing an unemployment utilizing a frustrate utilizing a frustration that I needed to go to trust him and I needed to go to go seek him because I needed that miracle right I needed the miracle to finding a job in the middle of a pandemic um, in an area where there's a lot of marketing students and you know we're right next to New York so yes there's a lot of companies but there's also a lot more um, what's the call competition competition so a much higher competition than you know I I didn't have the best grades in college. My experience was okay, but then you start looking at other people that are out there, and they—I don't know—they have crazy, com- you know, experience here, and their resume looks like this. So, um, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. So I think naturally, because I needed, you know, I felt like I needed to provide for my family, and thank God that my, you know, you had a job throughout that time as well, and the unemployment, like we said, but that pushed me into really seeking God and begging God to open that door. And God used that for sure to say, hey, I'm showing you right now exactly how you are and how you're feeling. And I would see myself as the image of a very dry land, like desert-ish kind of land. And I would feel exactly that, you know. And to the point that, like I mentioned, I would be like walking in the living room. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I would just be walking back and forth. And I couldn't pick up my controller, my PlayStation controller, which I'm a big fan. I couldn't pick up to watch videos on YouTube and, you know, anything of distraction. God was really burning something in my spirit and in my heart to say, you need to open it. You need to seek me. That's what, the only thing that's going to satisfy you. And that was something that was driving me to a relationship with God. And... Like I mentioned in the preaching on Isaiah, once you have, the closer you get to God, the more he reveals himself to you and the more he reveals yourself to yourself, if that makes sense. Right. Once you come into the light, you can see more of the imperfections. So then I started doing a study with Jesus Copy, which by the way, if you speak Portuguese, they have been such a blessing to, to us, right? And, you know, their ministry and... Their leaders have been a blessing to me on the last specifically the way they speak and the way they explain things. So thank God for their lives. I ask God to bless them, continue to bless them and their family. But I started doing a study on John and the book of John. And I started taking it seriously more of that discipline, more time spending with God. And I still had that problem and I knew I had to do something about it. So, you know, just cut it short back to the, the day that it actually happened. There was a couple of weeks where... There was a song by Corey Asbury that I'm a big fan of called Unravel. Unraveling, I think it's Unraveling. Unraveling, Unraveling from his uh, newest album called Dear God. 
which I recommend it. It's you know, it's unraveling, and it's it's all about him being in a very dry place and him f- asking God to please unravel, like literally open me up. I need you to do this with me, and he's asking that he's feeling numb. He's he he doesn't feel anything anymore, and and that was literally that that song felt exactly to what I wanted to say to God and exactly what I'm feeling. And I'm such in a different place now that if I I try listening to that song now and it, it feels so off, like it doesn't match me anymore. I, I've tried to listen to it this past couple weeks in the car and it came on a shuffle and I had to change the song because it was bothering me because it was it was my song from a different season of my life almost. But that incorporated a lot of what I wanted to say to God. So I started writing poems about this. I started writing a lot of things to God. And then it came to the night that God was really speaking over me and preaching over me. The Holy Spirit was convincing me because that's the job of the Holy Spirit to go ahead. And he was using videos on YouTube about people that were going through what I was going through and how they overcame it. Um, different pastors, different youth leaders, different testimonies left and right. And that was just building up inside of me that encouragement to do what I knew had to be done. And and then that night, I you know, like I said multiple times, I, I woke Lala up from the middle of the night and I told her. And I guess this is now part of a testimony that she can say because she's part of big part of this testimony. So I woke you up. I told you what I told you. What was your reaction? I think that at first I was like scared because you were waking me up at three o'clock in the morning. My brain automatically was like what's wrong who died you know like for you to be waking me up um but then you told me and i think i was kind of like in shock Mm -hmm. i I think that i didn't really know what to say back to you do you remember if i said anything back to you no you're very confused yeah i think i was just very quiet and just trying to process it and i think you kept telling me like can you say something can you say something and i didn't know what to say Um, you know, I think that that was a point where you kind of had to push me to say something because me personally, I didn't really want to say anything at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that you asked me, like, can you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that my forgiveness was a decision and not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, because it definitely didn't feel like it was something I wanted to do. And then you asked me to pray for you. And I remember even like thinking like, are you kidding me? You just dropped this bomb on me and you want me to pray for you? Like, how do you want me to do that for you right now? Um, and I don't, I don't know where it came from. Actually, I do know where it came from. The Holy Spirit like mm-hmm. gave me strength in order to say that prayer for you and for us and for our marriage that night. Yeah. And so I prayed for you and I really like what you say about the way that I looked at you because that's not something that I thought I did but right. you say that I looked at you with like a lot of compassion and yeah. a lot of mercy and I really think that was Jesus shining through me because I don't think that's how I was feeling completely at that point um so that was a moment where really the presence of God had to shine through right. because human me did not want it to go down the way that it went down <laughs> But I think that the fruit of the spirit and self-control was really there. And 
And sleepiness too. I think it was mm-hmm. time because you weren't true. 100%. You know, I think that was a good strategy. Yes. I was kind of like sedated yeah, in the middle of the sure. night. And you <laughs> so, kind of just went back to sleep after that. Right. And then I kind of just went back to sleep and I didn't really linger thinking about it for yeah. hours right in the moment of mm-hmm. impact. Um, yeah. So that was what happened that night. Yeah. And just switching to my perspective, I think that was. I was incredibly nervous, but I also was like, I I was so encouraged at that point that I knew that's what I had to do. And I knew the spirit was leading me to do this. So I knew he was going to watch me through. But it's also that thing that like, I, I feel like I've been saying I knew for a while, but I knew that everything was going to change the moment that I said what I was going to say to you, that that was who I was, that I was addicted to it, that it was, that it was, it was going to be a bad, I remember that I told you it's going to be a battle that I'm going to battle for the rest of my life. You know, and I, I would need your help and your prayer in that sense. And from that point forward, our marriage was just going to be different, you know, because that's essentially me telling you that I was cheating on you for a long time. And we're just like in this newly way that everything's supposed to be perfect and our birthdays were coming up and, you know, so many cool things that we had, you know wanted to do enough so that that was that was the bomb that i threw at you was the bomb of like you can't trust me i'm sure a lot of you a lot of what you were thinking was was he just lying to me like all these things that in my mind i'm like this is gonna break through this is gonna break and i'm not sure if it's gonna be a breakthrough Mm -hmm. but because the spirit was leading me that way and the bible was supporting me to believe this moment had to be a spiritual moment I just had to do it, and I just ripped that bandaid as fast as I could, and I've, I've begged you to say something, and you did it for a long time, and then I asked you to pray, and then you prayed for me, and then we kind of just slept, because I think it was really late at night, and you had to work the next day, and then I spoke to my parents, like I said, and they were, once again, very compassionate, very loving, very caring, they also prayed for me, and then I told you that, and, that, and then I've, we haven't, I haven't touched on that at all in any of our testimonies, this part right now that we're going to get into, which was the days after that. So I'm sure you had a lot of questions, but the days after that night, I think it was like a Thursday night because I think for Friday was when I spoke to my parents. So I think something like that. Um, we changed and I remember clearly that our, our relationship changed or I think you changed how you behaved towards me. Yeah, I did. And I think that it took me like a day or two to even bring up this conversation again. You didn't. I did. Right. You did. I didn't. But it took you. It took more pushing mm-hmm. again to get me to open up. And I think that was when you asked me like, what do you want to know? Like, mm-hmm. do you have questions? Because it's something that we need to work through. Yeah. And I'm a person who likes to avoid confrontation, confrontation in yes. my own life, which is funny because I have no problem doing it to other people, but yeah. I hate doing it in my own life. Um, and so I was just pushing it off and pushing it off. But in the days that I was pushing it off, it was very hard for me because I didn't want to like be close to you i didn't want to kiss you yeah. i didn't want to hug you yeah. um so that became difficult yeah and then it was it was beginning to be almost i think it was we were going into the week of our uh, anniversary uh, birthdays no i think it was like the week before the week before the week before and i remember one morning i think like saturday morning something you weren't here i don't know what was going on my mom called me 
and you know my mom the prophet in the house the and she was the call was sort of to see how i was doing she was you know working praying for me and all this but mainly she was asking how you had react because i had told them that i spoke to you and she wanted to know how we were doing in all that sense and she was saying you know this is going to be tough on her and i'm like i know and then i kind of told her that she's been kind of like you were doing what i knew you were going to do which is bugle it all in swallow it down and avoid it as much as you could exactly and i said that to her and my mom was like okay you know to take let her take a little bit of time but she was telling me continue to pray and the holy spirit is gonna work through this so um our breakthrough started to happen as i knew i wanted to get this conversation out of you i knew i needed to get your frustration i knew i needed to see your frustration to me show them to me because i feel like that was the only way things were going to happen you know i needed to see you get mad or i needed to see you ask me so that's when i went up to you and i kept asking because i knew you were treating me differently you know our marriage was getting very cold for like a couple of days and i remember praying in the shower a lot like crying praying in the shower and i'm like god i know what she's going through but do not let this take her away from me or take away from you mainly i don't want her to like regret everything and like go through what i know you usually do which is bugle it all in and you know and then you i was worried that you were going to start having like an anxiety attack or you know things that have happened in the past because of your inability to confront confront right. people and i think that i it was hard for me because i was kind of stuck between a place of like i'm feeling really frustrated and i need to get it out and i cried a couple of times when you weren't around and like tried to get it out that way because i also felt like I don't want to be selfish and make this about the way that I'm feeling and I don't want to make you feel worse about the situation. So I think that it just made me all the more want to just swallow it down and just go through it without having to verbalize any of my frustration. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that was how I was feeling until you pushed more for us to have a conversation and for me to say what i needed to say and that was and that was when um i asked you questions mm -hmm. once you it took a lot of pushing yeah it took me trying to talk through crying crying a lot of crying um, <laughs> um but i asked you questions and i asked things that were like eating me alive on the inside that i just needed to know like mm -hmm. when where how is it because of me mm -hmm. is it because of the way that i look like all the hard questions i had to ask and i think that that was when i was able to open up a little bit more to you and I, and you've already said it but the way that i described to you how i was feeling is that i was feeling cheated on mm -hmm. i was feeling like you had literally slept with another woman that's how it felt um and in that moment you made me feel better in the sense that you validated my feelings you didn't go like how dare you like this is what i went through for 12 years mm -hmm. this is a battle that i'm winning and now you're telling me this um you were like no i get it you know it makes sense i understand that that's how you feel but i also understand that it's something that we need to work through and we can't just linger on it and i remember specifically telling you that i was going down a path that i didn't want to go down i know you, you said that, that and that freaked me mm -hmm. out and i'm like i know that um, you gotta avoid it. and i said that because i was in that moment i was trying to be honest with you and i was really feeling like i was going down the path of i don't want to speak to you mm -hmm. i don't want to be physically close to you mm -hmm. 
I don't want to spend time with you. And I didn't know how that was going to get better, you know? And I think that's when you pointed out like, hey, you need to work on it because we are married. You know, we made a commitment forever and we need to heal our marriage at that point. You know, it's not like we want to suffer for a long amount of time. You know, you opened up and you confessed and I forgave. And, you know, like I even mentioned before in the highlight of the week, forgiveness is a process, but we need to work for it to be a process. You can't just, you know, be frozen because then there, nothing is happening. So then we needed to work on our marriage those couple of, of days and maybe like two, three weeks. I don't know. Yeah, remember. but I, the way that I remember, and you correct me wrong, we had that conversation at night, cried a lot, and I... And I, I wanted to specifically point to you that that was going to be a weakness for the rest of my life. Just to like, not to make you scared, just for, for all the cards to be on a table kind of thing. And then we kind of, we said all we needed to say. And I think we, and, and then the conversation, I think the Holy Spirit is so beautiful. The conversation shifted a bit. I don't know if you remember that. And we started talking about what God was doing. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I do remember that. So our conversation actually ended, and I'm trying to remember what it was specifically about the Bible. I'm literally trying to recall it right now. We were talking about um, how we wanted to mold God to be who we wanted him to be and not who he was. Yeah, and it was it was the study of John, and we were talking about praying to God for God to bless our plans instead of asking God, what is what is your plans? What are you doing? How can I get involved? And I think mm-hmm. it's funny because our conversation shifted. I remember we you said all I needed to say. I said what I needed to say. We, we cried for hours talking about it and making sure we weren't picking up our phones, getting distracted. We talked. We did. And then I was telling you what I had just watched in my devotional for Book of John, and that was it. And then we were talking about that, and that's kind of how it happened. Like we were talking, hey, that's what God is doing in our lives, and. I remember that that night you kind of pushed yourself really hard to really want to be with me. And we got very into it that night. <laughs> you really are so hard. No, but we hadn't done it in a couple of days. And it was just like that for me was sort of a, then we were too, you know, that was for me was sort of a sign of like, we are, we're breaking through now instead of just breaking the marriage. We're breaking through into what the marriage was supposed to be in the beginning. Right. And it's funny that I didn't even remember that a conversation happened on the same day. Me neither, but it was. But it was. And I remember that, like, in that conversation, I think that we both got to the realization that we needed God more than the amount of time and intimacy that we had at that moment. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how it ended like that? We both looked at each other and we were like, we need to change something. Yes. Um, So I think that that was, like, the ignition of what was gonna come yeah and i think you started watching the devotion that i was doing i think the day after or something you started doing that i did so i think you know for you guys listening i know this might sound like it's a lot of like tmi or like i don't know maybe too much of an intent but i want we wanted to share this with you guys not to glorify ourselves I'm like look at us we overcame this no but it's to say that we make mistakes and i think god uses moments God doesn't use our mistakes. God uses moments to lead us into us to be able to do what we've learned to do. 
what we have learned from God, from being in the presence of God, from our pastors, our teachers, our, you know, people that have helped us along the way. So we were able to be in that moment that I feel like marriages, a lot of marriages have ended for a lot less, but we were able to say, hey, we know this marriage is not going to end. We believe what we vowed ourselves to do. And we also know that God can work through this. So even though you might have not wanted it, and I knew I wasn't going to push you, not there. We had the Holy Spirit there working through. I, I feel like almost like a holy moment. It was like every word that we were saying was exactly what we needed to say to each other to work it out. So what I'm trying to say with this, this long circle that I did was we pray for this to be a blessing to you. If you're going through something like this by yourself, know that there is help. Um, I wish I had seeked, I had sought out help, sought out help, right? I had gone after help a lot sooner than I have. Um, I wish that I had opened up. I wish that I have would, would have eaten away my pride and gone after humbling myself or humiliating myself, you know, by being honest, by being true to who I was, what I was facing sooner. And if you're listening, you're young and you're having, you're going through this, you can come talk to us. We happen to have experience in overcoming it and going through it. So if you, um, if you, you know, what was the word I'm looking for? Like if they can see. If you identify. Yeah, if they identify it in that way. So we, we, we want to help, you know, and we know that this happened to us because we were dumbasses to happen to me because I allowed it and it was a dumbass. But I believe that God can turn to a good thing. For those right. that love and walk into this purpose. And I think that even it doesn't have to be this specific no. addition, you yeah. know, addiction, I'm sorry. It can be anything that you are addicted to that's holding you back. Or it can be a struggling to forgive, a struggling to move on. Um, maybe something in your life is holding you back from getting close to the presence of God. Because you know that once you do, you're going to be exposed and you're going to yeah. have to deal with it. Um, but we are here just to share our testimony and... It's not easy to be this vulnerable. You know, just mentioning how I struggle to open up to like people who are intimate to me, let alone how many other people are listening to this podcast. But I do realize that we are here for a greater good to glorify the name of God and how he worked through us. And we want to really be a testimony to encourage you to do the same and so that it can edify and help your life go yeah. in the right path. And this testimony wouldn't be complete if we don't talk about the after this this couple of days have happened. And I mentioned this in, at the church and the youth, and it it, it was a, a revival in me, and I see it also in you, um, that I was I finally now able to be disciplined and to truly seek God every day of my life, you know, and to go with God with intent, love, falling in love with the word of God once again, like I did for so many years before and loving the presence of God. And, you know, and um, I love that when the beginning of the year, my dad was talking about, we're going to read Acts, we're going to fast, I'm going to preach about loving the presence of God. And I'm like, this is exactly what's been going on with us. This revival that happened in, the, in our little family, the, me and you as a family, and this household was a revival where God showed his power, showed his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, but also, hey, pick yourselves up, go back to the word of God, fix yourselves, clean yourselves, fix your relationships, fix your relationship with your parents, all these things, but 
there is urgency. You need to keep moving. You need to share this. You need to bring it up because if it's happening to you, I'm sure it's happening to a lot of other people. And you need to speak on the truth. You need to speak on the deliverance, the speak on freedom that you found. So I've, I've made it my life mission now to, if I have to bring the story up to show that God is good, that the presence of God changes us and transforms us only when we allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us to walk on this life this way, then it can be done. And I feel like that's our mission. Yeah. And this is where we correlate with the verses that we read in the beginning of our episode where, you know, Jesus heals the man and he says to get up, pick up your mat and walk. And, you know, that's what we had to do. We, Jesus healed, but we had to get up, pick up our mat and start walking. And the Bible says that immediately he stood up and started walking. Mm -hmm. So there's urgency in being a testimony and there's urgency in doing the will of God. And that's what we want to accomplish through this. Yeah. And I, there's two things that I want to, we kind of should go for. I want to touch on something that's very important and it is uh, discipline with the presence of God is what keeps us from going back to our old selves. Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned before, like this is going to be a weakness that's going to be a part of my life forever I mean, you know until we're made perfect in god you know when jesus comes back or when we die so what i mean by this is that if i don't watch out temptation is still going to be knocking on my door and i can fall back to my sinful way so the holy spirit has been teaching me left and right about changing attitudes in my life so that i don't go back to my old life my old self my old cycle of sin so that means filling my mind filling my soul filling my time and all these things with the presence of god so that I'm not going back to those old ways. And I feel like a lot of people, they just, they go through an experience like we do. They ask for forgiveness. They, oh, maybe they confess it to somebody, but they don't change anything in their lives at all. You know, um, I've been reading the Bible kind of from the beginning, in the beginning of the year. So I'm like a third of the way through and I'm almost right in the, right in the beginning of Psalms almost. So I've been through like most of the historic era and I've been through like all of the kings that happened in Israel and Judah. And it's so frustrating because they kept going through that cycle and cycle of sin. There'll be a good king, there'll be a bad king, there'll be a good king and a bad king. And the Bible would talk, talk about the good kings as the kings that went out there and did a search for the whole land and destroyed every single temple of, of different gods. They weren't, you know, our God, the Lord. So they would destroy it and they would burn down. They would kill any servant, anybody that worshiped. So they were getting rid of anything that could make the Israelites once again worship other gods that wasn't God, our God, right? So those the good gods were the ones that were going out there, making their life listen to destroy the temples. So destroy the altars in your life. I needed to destroy those altars that I had worshipped for so long in that pornography sense. So I needed to destroy being awake at night on my phone. I needed to destroy watching some series that were leading me that way, you know? So getting rid of, that's the only way. It's being proactive. And of course, doing that in the presence of God that's the only way we can overcome it. And that's a decision that I still need to make every single day of my life. And the Holy Spirit is guiding me through it to the other side. And now I, you know, to leave you guys in some of the good, good notes, I guess, kind of way. Um, I was still unemployed at that time. And that was still, you know, I was happy that God had delivered me. I felt the weight off my shoulders. Literally, like that had gone for so many years of my life that I didn't even know what it was to be free. You know, now I knew what it was to be free again. Um, and I was still applying for jobs. At that time, I had already gone and I had, I had done an interview for a company that I was very, I liked it very much. And I, it, had, it passed, like they said, they were going to let me know in about a week, week and a half. 
I think it had been almost a month at that point, right? And they still hadn't contacted me back, called me back. So at the, for me, that meant I didn't get it another job. So let me keep applying. Let me keep. And in the meantime, I even got a job offer for a company, for like a political company that I was like, hmm, should I? So I kind of kept them in like a back burner. Back burner. I was like, yeah, I'll let you know. I was still kind of hoping to get another job. So then our, the week of our birthdays come. Do you want to talk to... So we touch COVID before we touch employment? Or do you want... Because they would kind of happen. So. The week of our birthday come. And then Lala's birthday is the 5th. I'm here at home. She's at work on her birthday. And I got an, uh, an email from the company that I work for today giving me a job offer. Hey, they were apologizing for taking so long. They had to figure out a couple things. But they were offering me the job, the salary, the benefits, and all that. And then I... I remember that I I start I was freaking out here at home I was I couldn't even process it that I was getting a road job offer at that time. Yeah, you from sent a me like a screenshot of the email and like I think you wanted to make sure that you were even reading it yeah, correctly. Yeah, did I, did I say this correctly? They're <laughs> yeah. offering me the job. And then when you sent me that, I was at work and I like almost started sobbing because that morning on my drive to work, um, my prayer was literally like God. As my birthday gift, can you please allow Pedro to get this job that he really wants? And that was my prayer to God. It was simple. It was honest. And I couldn't believe it when it actually happened. You know, when you like pray those prayers and you're like, yeah, Throw but you know, place. of course, it's, that's never going to happen. And it happened and I was blown away. And that was such a miracle. Yeah. And that's... um. I guess how it happened. I got the job. I love the job. I've been there forever. In that meantime as well, we were hanging out with some some friends that ended up getting COVID. So our the days of my birthday, and I guess even that, that night even, we found out that we were exposed to somebody that had positive. So we had to stay in quarantine for at least a couple of days. Um, so our birthdays together was very close. We couldn't do it. We couldn't go out with anybody else besides just being home. Yeah, we got tested and we got tested negative. But, you know, because we did it so soon and it was the rapid test, the doctor still suggested that we quarantine um, just because, you know, you want to be on the safe side. Yeah. And we had plans like your sister was going to have a birthday dinner and we had plans with our parents the upcoming weekend. Yeah, it was going to be a surprise birthday party. Right. Your, our friends were planning yeah. a party and we had to quarantine on our birthdays because, you know, we don't want to put anybody else at risk. And so our birthday was literally like, I remember my birthday night, my parents, my mom and my sister came and dropped off a cake and a balloon. And we kind of spoke from the doorstep yeah, they were to them. outside and we were inside <laughs> through the door. Speaking. And then that weekend on your birthday, because I think your birthday was on a Saturday. Saturday. Um, both of our parents and like siblings came by and they dropped off gifts and cake and balloons. Food. And we just kind of saw them from afar outside and we got to spend our birthdays with each other yes just the two of us i guess <laughs> but with a job that was gonna start the week after you know um and god just again i think our marriage improved a thousand percent after um that happened so what well, i feel like we have... had to get tested again no we, we got tested like three times or whatever thanksgiving we had to get tested again for thanksgiving something. we got tested again or was that your sister? I don't remember. She had it. 
because she had her own. Mm. Whatever. So we'll well I think we'll and unless you have anything else to say, we can end on this note. So once again, guys, we're sharing this testimony to encourage you to go through your journey of going through the presence of God, of asking for God to forgive you, knowing that He will forgive you, because that's what His promises are to us, is to us, and that you need to confess to somebody. Don't neglect this step. This step is the one that cured me and healed me. It's speaking, confessing to your parents, your leaders, to, you know, if you're in a relationship, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, to your wife, husband, um, for you to be blessed and for your life to truly be, start becoming what God has planned for you to be. You know, me and Allah are now walking in a new, new path of excitement, a lot of questions as to how God is going to use us, but we are just willing, we're able, and we're asking God, what are you doing? How can we get involved? And that's kind of been our new life motto after ever since. Yep, just want to leave off with saying what you have been saying lately. The presence of God transforms. Yeah. And that's what we need in our lives in order to be transformed more and more into who he wants us to be to glorify his name amen so thank you so much if you're listening all the way through you're an awesome person (laughs) and once again if you're listening to us on spotify just click follow on the podcast that will help us if you're listening to an app listening to us on apple podcast leave us a nice five-star rating also we have an instagram account called junker talk that's where we post our little um quotes and some pictures and i'm sure on the stories we can share the song um unraveling and we can share some pictures of the moment our birthdays anything that we talked about here on the podcast some little uh snip vids of our podcast is that what it says snippets sure clip snips what is, there's a thing that's something with snips i don't remember just that's little videos little, of our podcast. yeah that we cut so just follow us there on instagram at junker talk um and share it if you can to help us grow this audience thank everybody for your feedback unless you have anything else to say that's all hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we will see you next time